So some of you know I work a lot with seminarians these days. And invariably, a question that they get asked I mean, all the time is to share their vocation story. They go out to parishes, they go back to their home diocese. It's a question they get asked a lot. And so not surprisingly, over time, they get pretty polished at telling it. And they usually have the elevator version, you know, they have the longer version, they have the you're the star of Sunday version, all different kinds. And those are beautiful things and they're very moving. And I've come to the point where if I work with a couple in preparation for marriage, I'll ask them to share their vocation story. It's a kind of question we're not used to necessarily thinking about for ourselves. But something I can do with the seminarians that I don't try with the engaged couples is I'll say, okay, I know you've got your vocation story. Please, I don't need to hear it again. I read it on your application. You've told it to me. It's just you and I, I, I promise the confessional seal. Now tell me your real vocation story. Because it's natural to talk about, oh, I, I met Christ here and I saw the Lord there and I got this call then and I had to do it. But there's more than that on the journey we walk in the Christian spiritual life. And if he's brutally honest, a seminarian can also talk about ways that weren't so easy and smooth. Maybe, and some of these guys are a little bit older, maybe it's an incredible disappointment they had on their career paths or in school. Maybe it was struggling with their parents' marriage, struggling or even falling apart. Maybe it's the loss of a loved one. And that too is part of their vocation story. We never go to Christ in one simple upward bounding line. And the mistake we can often make is to think that when seemingly from our perspective, the path is getting a little bit rocky, then somehow that couldn't possibly be what God is calling us to. Now, I'm not one of those people who thinks that God is there directing our feet every step of the way. I'm gonna send you this today and I'm gonna send you that tomorrow. But in respecting our freedom, we encounter Christ if we're open to it, right? And that's the point. And I'm mentioning this today because one way to think about the famous story, the wonderful narrative of Epiphany, is to think about it as the vocation journey of these magi, right? We sometimes call them kings. Somewhere along the tradition, that name got used for them in English. But they're sort of watchers for mystery in the ancient Far East. And that's what these guys did. That was part of their vocation. That was their job. They got paid to do this. They'd look for signs in the heavens. They'd look for signs in nature. And it's where we get the word magic from, right? It's not like they pulled rabbits out of hats in, in its original sense. It means looking for that which is other or strange. So imagine for a minute, that's how these guys are wired. They're literally hungry. They're looking for signs. And every one of us, I'd like to suggest, we may not call ourselves magi, but we're looking for things. We're hungry at times. We're disappointed and we wish things could be otherwise. We're overjoyed and we're grateful. And we look back and we say, man, that's what got me here. Now, as I see, I can see God's fingers in that. I can see that my heart was being moved. But as I'm saying, it's not only the wonderful, glorious things. So they notice this sign and they jump on it. Seemingly, it's a good sign, but not every star was a good omen. Sometimes they were bad. 
But these guys' job was to track it down and figure out what's up so they could go to their actual king and give a report. So that's something I think we can relate to, maybe early in life, maybe later in life, but those core hungers and desires that we have, and maybe it's in a relationship, maybe it's in a newfound passion, maybe it's in something that we thought we'd do when we were younger and now we've got the time and so we start off after it. So then they get to Jerusalem. But once they get to Jerusalem, they don't quite know how is this going to shake out, right? All they know is that somehow this was the direction to go in. And maybe you started reading up on something. Yeah, I, I want to learn more about this. I, I want to get involved. Maybe our mind or our heart was moved out of pity or compassion. I can't just let another day go by ignoring this situation. I've got to get involved somehow. But once you get in that broad general area, where do you go from there? How do you discern more wisely? How do you sift out the junk from the gold? And so the kings, they do a very natural thing. They ask the local ruler, they ask Herod, hey, this is what we're after, can you help me? And of course for them, it's not such a good lead, but they don't know that. And none of us wake up in the morning and say, how can I stumble into the most destructive thing that God wants me to do today? No. Lots of times we don't know. We meet people along the way and they're not who we thought they were. We pursue certain passions that maybe we've tricked ourselves into thinking are good and holy ones, but if we're really honest, we know we're following a false lead. But that happens. And that's no less a part of our vocation as the glorious moments. So even in that false interaction with Herod, he still puts them on the right journey. And again, that's often what it's like in our lives. Maybe somehow you found yourself in the midst of an addiction. That doesn't mean that's something that can't possibly lead you back to the Lord. That doesn't mean that isn't a way that could lead to a deep, abiding, intimate, loving relationship. Maybe we make bad choices, and we all do sooner or later. But if we stay on the journey, there are other guides, there are other helps. So Herod himself leads him to Christ for all the wrong reasons, but he leads them to Christ. And then the question is, and this is the real question in vocation stories, is can we recognize that encounter when it's right there in front of us? And so there they are, the kings, they come to Mary, Joseph and Jesus, and they know they're in the presence. And that's the beautiful thing about God bats a thousand on this one. If we allow ourselves to be in his presence, it's impossible not to be affected somehow. And I don't want to be naive. It's not that we automatically become praising God. Sometimes we're resistant, but there's something there we can't ignore, like that initial hunger we couldn't ignore. I got to look because something just isn't quite satisfactory. The closer we get to that source that will satisfy us, we are moved in some ways. And the last thing I just want to say about these kings is we focus so much on the gifts that they bring. Gold, frankincense, and I sure hope those kids have learned what myrrh is, because I, I still don't know. Yeah, they got their gifts, they bring them. Isn't that wonderful? But if that's all we think about, we're never going to really get it. I mean, we'll get something, but we're never really going to bring to fruition that vocational journey. 
And what I'm getting at here is they don't just empty their treasure chests. They also receive. And in the Christian spiritual life, it's not about giving only. It has to also be about receiving. What do they receive? Well, they receive the very gift of being in the presence of God, of learning about the existence of what's happened here. They've received from the angel, we're told, in a dream. And they are changed. They are different. They go back another way. So as we think about locally, to bring this very close to home, you know, how do we fill these pews, right? 2,400 people in the year 2024. It's a huge mistake to think that's only about us going out and saying, hey, you got to come to church. Sooner or later, that's going to run out of gas. We've got to do it with the mindset of saying, what do I need to receive from you? This person that for whatever reason, you know, you were my star in the sky, something said, I should probably invite her or him. Then hit the pause button and ask yourself, what is God asking you to receive from them? And that may not be so obvious. And it may be a long time before they actually get their seats in a pew here. It takes time. And there may be some false leads. And initially they may blow you off. But it's that kind of holy persistence. The thing we often miss about evangelization is that it ain't just about us going out and giving things to other people and hope that they get it. If we don't have that mindset of, Lord, what are you asking me to receive? It's always going to fall flat. So just a beautiful little reflection. Every year we ask these three kings to tell us their vocation story. And we're missing an awful lot if we only see it as a story about a bunch of guys in funny hats who bring gold to Jesus.